Mira. I thought there were a lot of salsa and flavor. I'm so dramatic. <laughs> anyway. Good afternoon. My name is Teresa. I'm an alcoholic. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be sober because of a loving God. Thank you, Ralph and Robin. She's been great. And, you know, it's, it's just awesome. The work that's being done here. So I always like to give props and congratulations to that. It's huge. I'm always keep checking on Ralph. I'm like, you all right? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> all right. I'm, of course, I'm always nervous, nervous more so now. You know, it's, I'm like, I'm bittersweet right now. I, I, it's an honor to kind of share the podium with so many speakers that I get to travel the world with, right, and see you individually and spend time, but for all of us to be in the same place, I'm really like a kid in a candy store. Uh, so I'm just so filled with that. The first time I got to meet Polly, I've always heard her for years, but I've never met her, so that was awesome. And so I've just, uh, I'm a little filled right now. And of course, you know, I've been through a lot in the last couple of years. And so a lot of things have shifted and changed. I've had some new experience, and I've prayed and meditated, and I've looked at it, and I'm like, you know, throughout the years of my sobriety, my relationship has changed. It's changed with myself, my understanding of God, my understanding of the program, my understanding of the steps. And so I'm, I'm in a weird place these days. So I told Rob, I'm going to see where we're going on this one. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what we're doing here. Ooh, okay. I'm trying to get out of my head while I'm listening to everybody else share. Each and every one of them has just filled my heart. Um, man, oh man, you know what kept coming through? What's really standing out for me right now is this. It's just so interesting. A lot of changes always seem to happen when I'm around 24. No? Because I came to Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 24 years old. Major bottom, right? The life as I had known it had completely flipped the switch and changed up on me. And I was confused. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't get it. It changed. I'm 24 years sober now, and my life has flipped the switch. It has changed. I'm in a whole other... It's trippy. I don't know what these 24-year segments are, but it's trippy. I'm like, what are we doing now, yo? Anyway. I've heard a lot of stories in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm grateful that people said we're all the same. When he was explaining how we're all the same in one way. But a lot of our stories may be different. And I'm thinking about this relationship with a higher power. This thing about choice. More and more has been revealed. You know, I didn't have a choice about my drinking. Higher powers were given to me. I don't remember deciding I want to have that kind of higher power or I want to interact with this in my life. I came into this world loaded. I was a human doing rather than a human being. So when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was emotionally an infant. I learned so much from you. See, many of you have told my story. You have filled in the gaps. My whole life is a blackout. So I've lived 24 years 
kind of taken on your stories. I, I, I did. I'm learning now. That's why I'm in a different place. It's kind of like, is that my story? When I came, when I, this children of the inventory process, I did it because you told me that I had to. You see, when I first got sober, I did everything because that's what you said we're supposed to do, and that's what I'm doing. I've taken everything literal. I didn't question anything. You said that I'm powerless over alcohol and my life is unmanageable. I didn't go, am I? Are you sure? What does that mean? I was like, okay. I don't know what's going on with me. If you say I'm powerless, then I'm powerless. If you say my life is unmanageable, then it's unmanageable. I have no idea. I'm born addicted. I live my life in a blackout. I don't know what's going on with me. I've had higher powers. My higher power was anything and everybody that was outside of myself. I wasn't confused when you told me I needed one. I just need another one. I've had many. I wasn't like, oh, no, higher power. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I need another one. Because the ones that I have been serving, the ones that I wake up to every day that tells me what to do in the morning, in the night, throughout my day, are no longer working for me. And therefore, I have no oxygen. I cannot breathe. I don't know how to take one step in front of the other unless a higher power tells me what to do. Let it be a family member, a lover, a companion, a friend, alcohol, drugs, Something has to tell me what to do because Teresa does not know how to function in this thing called life. And when I got here, you said I needed one. Fine, I'm powerless. That allergy thing you were talking about, I was like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I, I don't have a point of reference. I can't tell you that I went through some progressive stage. I didn't really have that. If I've been born addicted and I'm drinking my whole life, I don't know anything about an allergy. All I know is that I have to do it. I drink for oxygen. How do I survive without drinking if I've been drinking since being in the womb? How can I say, oh yeah, I decided one day to drink more than another day? I don't know. We're supposed to drink all day. That's all I know. And everybody in my family does it too, and that's just the way it is, and they're still doing it to this day. That's just what we do. I always tell people that. What's going on in New York City where I grew up was the same thing that was going on in the mountains in Puerto Rico. That never changed. So to me, Alcoholics Anonymous is an alien planet. Okay, you guys are on some other shit. I've been abducted and I came to this new world. That's how it's been feeling ever since I've been here. That's, just, that's the best way I can describe it. And because I'm in a new land and a new world, I'm learning a new language. I have this obsession of the mind. Whatever. Yes, my mind talks to me a lot. You call an obsession, let's go with that. I'm not going to try to process that. If you say that's what it is, that's what it is, let's just work with it. Whatever. That's how I was when I got here. Whatever, man. I don't care. All I know is I can't live like this no more. You said make a decision, I make a decision. What is there to debate about? I didn't come to Alcoholics Anonymous, I just wanted to see what you were doing. I'm kind of bored today, I'm going to go see those AA people. There's the last house on the block, right? 
So I got on my knees. I said the prayer. I remember though, we used to have this woman, Gloria. Remember she used to say, you gotta make, all you gotta do is make a decision. You just make a decision. It ain't that deep. You can't be stuck on step three. If I told her one time, I think I'm stuck. She said, you're not stuck. You're still trying to come to believe. You ain't stuck on step three. Because when you make a decision, you make a decision. You got three birds sitting on a thing. I used to hear that all the time. One of them makes a decision to fly away. How many birds you got on a branch? You got three. Make a decision, just like he beautifully explained it. I got to get off and I got to fly. How am I supposed to do this? Why well, launch into this vigorous action? The fourth and the fifth step are, I love all the steps and the traditions. I've adopted these principles in my life because I drank every day, all day. No? I got no gray areas here. So I live and breathe the steps like I lived and breathed alcohol. And it just made sense. I appreciate the way the big book respects a girl who is unrespectable. As I've always felt. I felt that it respects me. It speaks to me in a way with respect. Enough to know that I got a hard head. And I don't trust nobody. And it's very gentle with me. And it explained to me about a business. Because he had already gave me a lot of information about what I was suffering from. But it told me that I suffered from something far greater than anything else. And the key was that I suffered from this spiritual malady. It was a soul sickness. And that I had to clean house. Because my experience was, what people practiced with me in step 12, was that they burned into my consciousness that I must trust God, clean house, be of service. Trust God, clean house, be of service. They brainwashed me. And I remember we used to say that, you brainwashing me. They used to say, your brain needs washing what about it ooh scary and I liked how they explained to me I'm convinced life run by myself it don't work I have some sponsors that they say that just like haunts them my voice saying that because I go quit playing God it don't work it don't work they be like oh my god they wake up to that they be like oh shit <laughs> it don't work <laughs> But I got to be convinced. Because they know me. Because I can rationalize and justify my behavior. They introduce me to that dynamic right before the inventory when they say I could be virtuous and kind and considerate. <laughs> I can also be mean. And sometimes I have various traits. Isn't that I was just always out for myself? Perhaps. That could be true. But see, me is, and what's the problem with that? See, how I looked at it is, that's probably true. Maybe I am out for myself. But if you come from the world that I come from, you can't survive no other way. So that character defect you're talking about, that's my asset. So this is a little scary right now. My world is about to change. That's why I need to change my playmates, my playground, and my playthings. Because we're going to be talking a whole other language. 
To this day, when I visit my family, I've gotten a lot of spiritual principles here. I have grown leaps and bounds. Ego has been smashed. I tell people my ego is not gone because the day it's gone is the day I die. God designed an ego for a reason. I need it. I need it. If not, I wouldn't get up and take a bath. I wouldn't go to work. I wouldn't have dreams. And I wouldn't have goals. So I hear people get a little confused that you need to get rid of ego. I'm like, that's scary. You can't do that. I also understood that I wasn't giving away my will. The only way for me to give up my will is to die and be reincarnated either a rock or a dog or an ant. <laughs> you have to be another species or a flower. They don't have will. Human beings have wills. God designed me this way. He's not taking it anywhere. He gave it to me. Self-will is different. What the big book told me was that I had self-will run riot. Not that self-will was a disease. It's running rapid. I'm to the extreme. And we have to see why. I like the supermarket idea. They explained to me, no good business is going to be successful if you don't take stock, Teresa, that's all. You have to ask yourself, why hasn't my business been successful? I've tried everything possible to be successful in my life, whether it's to be loved, to have fun, to have money, to be good, to be the good girl. What happened? We need to take a look at why is it that you have this supermarket. I envision a supermarket. And I'm wondering why nobody comes in to shop. And what they told me was because you never took stock. Your milk has turned into yogurt. Right? I'm very visual, so I'm glad my sponsor gave me a lot of visuals. You know what I'm saying? My tomatoes and my onions and my oranges, they don't look like that no more. They all look like prunes. Because they all shrivel up. No, they turn black. They're already composing like compost on the shelves. All the dates have expired. Those dates are old. They're stale. So if I step back and I know what it is to have a business, I've been, I've been building businesses since I was 14 years old. I get that concept. If I want this business to be successful, what business? God's business. Teresa's business. The first thing I do in my business on step three is I'm no longer the CEO of Teresa Incorporated. It ain't that deep. I just changed the title. That's all. Okay, I'm no longer the CEO. I know what it is for somebody to come in and reorganize your business because it's failing. So God's coming in to reorganize my business. And I got to get rid of the treasurer, the secretary, all the board members because you know who they are? Me. I change seats every time we have a meeting. I've done it. Okay, now I'm treasurer. So this is what we're going to do. Okay, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I got that concept <laughs> and I wonder why my business is failing but I want fresh produce I want dates on those boxes that are not expired I want people to come in and I want them to purchase these items I want a successful business so all I got to do is take stock I never envisioned the fourth step as getting a bat beating up my, myself upside the head. 
as a curse. Oh, my God, I have a lot of people. I'm so scared of that step. But you haven't taken it. How do you even know? How do you even know you're scared of? Why don't you take it and then while you're doing it and when you get scared, just go, ah! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I do when I watch scary movies, no? <laughs> That's why she said a Puerto Rican inventory. I... <laughs> My spouse sees me church. They'll be like, what? Scary movie? What are you talking about? That's what I do in scary movies. I don't know what the movie's about. It sounds scary. I put it in, and when I'm watching, I go, oh, my God! Ooh, ooh, ooh! That's how I did my inventory. Literally. I'd be writing, I'm going to go, oh, what is that? Oh, my God! I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. Tell me when it's over. Tell me when it's over. <laughs> That's what I did. It says I got to get down to some causes and conditions. That language was very loud. It was very deep. I don't know whatever it's saying. Causes, condition, fine. Okay, fine. I got to be convinced that life run by me don't work. And I'm going to get some evidence right now. Because one thing that stood out, you gave me a promise. You said that I was blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. And that jacked me up a little bit. Because you see, my ego serves me in some kind of way when I first got here. Thank God you didn't get rid of it immediately. I wouldn't have kept coming back. There was times that I came here and I did feel better then. That's why I came back. Because I felt better than all you people. <laughs> I didn't want to be blocked by no sunlight of the spirit. I felt like that was like you were insulting me. Because I'm spiritual. I grew up with a lot of spiritualists in my family. We're priests. We're priestess. My father's one of the oldest. We got all kind of histories of generation of spiritualists. Don't tell me I'm not spiritual that I'm blocked from some sunlight of the spirit. I'm all spiritual. <laughs> so my ego, you know what I'm saying? It worked. I've been doing spiritual readings since I was five years old. I get possessed by spirits and saints. <laughs> People stand on long lines to see me. They've been doing that since I was five. I touch them and they heal. How are you going to say I'm blocked on the sunlight of the spirit? Wait a minute. What are you people talking about? They told me don't worry about it. Do inventory. You find out. So I said, let's go see. My first inventory, my sponsors, when I did my fifth, my sponsor's mouth dropped. I'm glad that they kept it very simple. Just make a list. It's not that deep. How thorough can you be? The fog hasn't completely listed. Lift it. You're going to do the best you can right now for what you can remember. And I came to you living a life of a blackout. So there was a lot of things I didn't remember. But all I had to work with was what I remembered at that time. More and more will be revealed. That's used to tell me. More and more will be revealed. Just put the pen to the paper. And they kept it very simple. I like how it's outlined in the book. They guide me. They took my hand. They were like, we know that you think you're the smartest person on the earth, but you're really an idiot. So we're going to give you a diagram. That's how they talk to me in the big book. We don't want to tell you that you're an idiot, so we're going to act like you're very smart, but we'll give you a diagram anyway. That's how I felt like they talked to me. I know Ralph and I got into that time about the sheet, right? We've given out the sheet of paper with the thing. I got things about that, whatever. I'm like, it's in the big book. I just follow what's in the big book. They gave me a diagram. 
They told me I make a list of people. I didn't ask no questions. I didn't ask, why am I upset at her? Why would I? I didn't get into, what's the resentment? I'm not sure. I don't know. I just made a list of people. I don't know what that means. You said resentment. I know it says people I'm sore at. Okay, I, I thought I wasn't mad at nobody. I've heard that many times. Many people call me. I don't think I'm angry at anybody. I go, get a pen and paper. See what happens. Don't, don't trip. Just, just get a pen and paper. Let's see. The truth comes out on paper. And I wrote a lot of names. I was like, oh my God, so hard. Why? What happened? I don't know. We'll figure it out later. And I began to do this work. But I've done it column by column. They taught me not to go across because I'll be there forever. I didn't learn to write. You know, I'm kind of shy on trying to make this so fixed because what I loved about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is that they say that they don't have a monopoly on this program. And that there are other methods and there are other ways and they don't have it all cornered. So they taught me too to have an open mind. Because I've seen various types of things that people have done in an inventory form. And what you told me is back away from being so judgmental. Sometimes I have people so stringent about the book and the steps and the traditions. You scare me. Just share your experience, strength and hope. Don't police me. I don't want to come here if you do that to me. I wouldn't have came back here. I can go to other forums that they do that to me. All these doctrines and, and paradigms that keep me stuck in this way and if you don't do it, something's wrong with you. They didn't do that to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a sense of freedom in that, right? There's a sense of that I come here to save my ass, not my face. I ain't got to impress nobody, not my sponsor, not you, nobody. I can make mistakes. I could not do it right and it's okay. I'm still welcome. Sometimes I have people get like, so, you know, that's wrong. You didn't do it right. You don't know what you're talking about. Who are you? Shut up. Go away. You need to go to another program. That's not this program. That, that, I, I wouldn't come back like that. Don't talk to me like that. You know, my first inventory was, I was, I was just telling a sponsor this uh, yesterday. What it tells me is fancy or real. It tells me that I squander the hours and that people actually have the power to kill. You know, I was given back the power of choice in step three. I wouldn't be able to make a decision if I didn't have the power of choice. And now that I'm in choice, what step four says, with that choice that you have, I need you to take a look at some things. And I'm going to invite you to be honest in a way you've never been before. Because you see, this is a private situation. And when I first start doing my step four, that's something I'm doing with me and God. Nobody's seen this yet. So why am I threatened by you? Because you see, I can do it and tear it up and throw it away. And you guys won't know that. So I'm in choice now. And what stood out for me, inviting me to do the inventory, was two things. I'm blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. I cannot recover unless I clean house. And it also said to me, and you are responsible for your recovery. And as long as you let this poison continue to grow and fester inside of you, 
You are going to die, not a physical death, but continue to die a spiritual death. And that's your choice now. It said fancy or real. You see, I understand now about the disease of alcoholism and how my thinking is twisted and if I'm born addicted, I was brought up with twisted thinking, so you can't tell me that was twisted thinking. I'm brought up on abuse. Ralph and I talked about that for a while. My first image, I didn't do a lot of damage to nobody. You see, I got a little confused sometimes where I'm the cause of all my problems. How am I the cause of all my problems? I'm raised to be like this. I don't know no better. So you need to teach me better. I didn't even know it was a problem. I don't have people around me going, don't invite Teresa, she's a problem. You know, it trips me out. To this day, I still have relationships with my grammar school girlfriends, my high school girlfriends, my family members. What bridges am I burning if we all speak the same language? We're all dysfunctional and unhealthy and we operate off of our character defects. We don't burn bridges. I still hang out and spend time with my perpetrators because they're my family members and we break bread. That's what you do. I don't know about hating them. I didn't believe that I had a right to say what they were doing to me was wrong when they were touching me when I was a child. I don't know that until I started doing this. I didn't know that. You gave me a whole other language, a whole other perspective to look at the importance of cleaning house so that Teresa can live in her own skin present for her experience. Because this relationship with alcohol that allowed me to be numb, detached and disconnected to the world around me, I am now present and I got to do something about it. Because it's all inside. It's in my organs. It's not just in my heart. All the things that have happened in my life, it's in every organ. It's like I look at a cancer patient. We got to remove the tumor. We got to do chemo to get rid of the disease. That's how I saw the inventory. I see the program as I'm diabetic. I got to take insulin every day. If I don't, I'm sick. There were very few people in my first inventory that when I got to the fourth column, I discovered that Teresa was the big problem. I have found that when I did my first, when I did my first fifth step, I actually did my first fourth step with my sponsor, and I have shared with many sponsees their fourth step, not their fifth. I'm amazed that people, the first hundred people who got sober, when they just used to mail them the big book and they would receive it and do what's in the book and then go find another alcohol. Because I had to go to my sponsor. She had to help me to see. So she's really helping me do my fourth. Because the way it's really written is I do my resentment. I do all four columns. I have to pray for these people. That was a doozy. You know, I find that a lot of people miss that. I always say, did you pray for them? Pray for who? Is it me? Yes, it says I got to pray. How you did the fourth column without praying for nobody? You're amazing. <laughs> How do you do that? There's no way I can look at me if I don't stop and pray for you. 
How do I take the magnifying glass off of you if I don't pray for you? I had to pray for you. So I pray for you. The keys to the inventory that everybody gets worried about and don't even know it is the fourth column. It's not the first three. I wasn't tripping on the first three. I talked about it all the time. I'm always living in a state of victim consciousness. That's not a secret. What's the secret? That I got resentment? Are you kidding me? Everybody knows. I talk about it all the time. You know what he did? You know what she did? You know what happened? You know what happened to me? Can you believe they did that? I can't believe it. Oh my God. Could you imagine? How dare they? Do they know? They're confused. Everybody's a mess. She shouldn't have said that. The first three to me was not a secret. (laughs) It was the fourth. That that was the key to my freedom. That was the secret. And it was such a secret, it was a secret to myself. I'm thinking everybody has it. Nobody, everybody knew I was being selfish and self I'm the only one that didn't know. So I'm worried about a secret about you finding out what you already know. It's trippy to me. The things that we saw off. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, that's a secret. Secret to what? To you. We already know. What's happening here is you need to know. And I've had to look at it at different levels because I've had, as I said in the beginning of my my first inventory, I had a lot of abuse, no? Because I come from a lot of sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. I mean, that was just my life. That was the daily routine. Either either you were beating on me, you were spitting on me, you were punching me, you were having sex with me, and you were calling me names. That was kind of the gist of my day. And so I wrote a lot of that down. And what I had to discover about is, no, it's not my fault. I'm not responsible for you having sex with me when I'm five. There's no way I'm going to take responsibility for that. But they kept, my sponsor kept it very simple. To look up the definition of selfishness. That the inventory wasn't about being right or wrong. Bad girl, good girl. Slap you on the wrist. I was just taking a look at what I wanted. I first look at how did this even affect me? Why did it even bother me? That threw me off. I didn't even know things affected me like that. You guys gave me a whole new language. That affected my self-esteem. It's no wonder I don't have none. I didn't know that. That's how I said, oh my God, if I write self-esteem one more time, I'm going to hurt somebody. That's why I'm all messed up. Look how many times I wrote self-esteem. Oh, no wonder I'm afraid all the time. Just thinking about that, I was thinking about my brother. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Because my nephew is always terrified about everything. And I was worried. And I told my brother, I was like, why is he always so scared? He's scared of everything. So we were in the hospital. And the car was coming around. And we're getting ready to go out. And we go, you know, they had the revolving door. And my brother's going in. I was like, I'm not going in there. I'm scared of those things. He was like, I wonder where he gets that from. Anyway. Thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> I gotta have my little fear inventory. Anyway, scared of everything. I didn't even know I had those fears. I didn't even know I was afraid of you. I didn't even know that you bothered me. That whether my pocketbook was threatened or my security, I didn't know. I'm just living life, man. I'm just trying to. Get, I'm a survivor, boy. I'm just trying to get through. I don't have those adjectives. I always like how Mickey Bush says that he didn't go to a bar saying, can I have a drink, bartender? I'm feeling a little insecure today. I have low self I didn't do that. 
And so you gave me this language to take a different look at myself. So I could have this relationship with this higher power. A new higher power. And I looked at what's selfish. It's what I want. It's just what I want. That's all that means. This is what I want. Regardless of what you want, what you think. This is what I want. And it even applies if you're molesting me. I don't want you to molest me. It's not good. It's not bad. That's just what I want. And as a result of that, I am disturbed because you're still touching me. No? I'm self-centered. What does that mean? Or I'm self-seeking. What does that mean? If you stop touching me, I will gain this in my life. When I'm self-seeking, all I'm saying is that if you give me what I want, this is what I will gain if you do that. That's all. I love the simplicity when they explain it's not all that. This is what I'll gain. That's all. Don't you want the same thing I want? I just believe that I know better than you. And I'm dishonest. I'm dishonest in many ways. The one level of dishonesty that the inventory gave me that I didn't, when I did that prayer, was that you're spiritually sick too. Didn't occur to me. Didn't occur to me at all. I remember I discovered that about my brother. I totally did not realize that he grew up in the same household I did. I'm resentful at everything that he is, at everything that he's done to me, and it did not occur to me that he's growing up in the same dysfunctional home. You see, I'm always willing for you to understand why I do the things I do, but God forbid you do anything wrong. I want you to understand me, but I don't have to understand why you make mistakes. That's what the fourth column did for me. You're spiritually sick. And so am I. And he began to introduce me to compassion. Not only compassion for you, compassion for me. That I'm not flawed and defective. I heard that my whole life. You're unwanted. You're unnecessary. You disgust us. We hate you. You've been cursed. The inventory made a shift for me. I'm not cursed. I'm not flawed and defective. I just have character defects. I'm not a problem. There is a problem, but I'm not the problem. It removed the shame. I came to you so shame-based. What I understand the difference between shame and guilt was, shame says, something is wrong with me. Guilt says, I've done something wrong. Two different things. And the inventory gave me that. The inventory said, no, there's nothing wrong with you, but you've done some things wrong. And you see, guilt is repairable. There's healing with guilt. You can make amends with guilt. That's where you take me to a nine. But when something's wrong with me and I'm full of shame, there's no healing. How are you going to heal me if I'm damaged? How is there any recovery if I'm flawed and defective and I'm useless and unrepairable? <laughs> so the inventory did for me. The inventory said, no, you are. You may have done something wrong. You may have seen something the inappropriate way. But you're not damaged. We're going to introduce you to this word. It's called character defects. And they're just defects of our character. And we need to do them sometimes to survive. 
There were situations that that's all you had to work with. And that's all right. We're going to do something different today. Why? Because I'm introducing you to a power greater than yourself. And he's different. And I look at my fears. What am I afraid of? Where did they come from? I love the inventory. Where did they come from? I don't know. Let's see. And I look at them. Oh my God. I'm afraid of dogs. Why? Because one chased me down the block when I was three. So what have you done? Have you relied on yourself? Yeah, I relied on myself. Everywhere I go, I cross the street if I see a dog. When I go to your house, I'd be like, put that dog in the closet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't have a dog. Even though one time Kim brought home a dog, that's another story, whatever. And I had to ask myself, all of this reliance that I've done to make my life better, so that I could feel safe, has it worked that's all that inventory to me. That's all it is. Has it worked? Look, 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 Teresa. That's all God is saying. Oh, my God, I've been trying to tell you. You won't hear me. But it's okay. Look. You see, when I look at being blocked from the sunlight of the Spirit, it doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden having a relationship with God. I believe in divine order. I believe in karma. I believe in destiny. I believe that it's already been written before we got here. So therefore, everything that happened to me 24 years of my life before I got here was divinely written. I wouldn't have went through it. God had been in my life before I came into this world. When things are going really good in my life, I don't go, oh, God is so good. He's really loving me now. That's the good girl syndrome. No, I've loved you all along. I never vary. I keep thinking about my brother was studying at the Lutheran seminary. And I just love how they explain this to me. And we were talking, a lot of theologians. And it just hit home of what Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me. And how before I got here, what I was doing. All my life, I tried to get the approval of God. And I'm looking for God to love me. A girl like me that everybody says is unlovable. And I'm searching. And then I'm trying to prove that I love this God or whatever that higher power is in my life, no? If you beat me, I'll do the right thing so you love me. You hate me, I'll do everything possible so you don't hate me today. What do you need me to do? How are we doing today? Are we feeling happy today? Okay, let's be happy. Are we angry today? We'll be angry. Didn't realize that I don't have to do that. I came into this world loved by God. And I automatically am loving God. What I get to do with this love that is so unconditional, so pure, is I have to share it with other people. So I'm spending my life now serving others. I don't have to go looking for God's love anymore. I don't have to go find out if God loves me or not or prove to God that I love Him. He knows. He, she, it knows. What I'm supposed to do is do it with you. Share it with you. And the inventory helps me to get rid of this trash that has me thinking that I have to prove something to you, prove something to God, prove something to me. I'm always seeking. I'm always looking. It's never enough. And when I do inventory, it goes, it's always been enough. You've been enough. 
And everybody was just scared of the freaking fears and this and that. I look at my fears, where they come from. Life run by me, it don't work. All right, God, perhaps there's a better way. Let me rely on this higher power. Why not? Why am I debating that? I have evidence that says I was not working. So why would I go, I don't know, let me think about it for a minute. I think I could still work on them. Wait a minute. And there's a prayer throughout the whole thing. So I go and I pray, God, take this fear away. What will you have me be? What will you have me do? I don't know. It's obvious I cannot resolve this fear. I have tried everything possible to get rid of it and I still have it. I have a fear of you not loving me. You know what I've done to try to get you to love me? Do you know I have compromised my morals, my values, everything for you to love me? And you know what? That's not my job. I'm so terrified of you not loving me, I will give up everything. Because all I want to be is love, no? And so what I find out is you can't do that job, Teresa. That's not your job. There's a new CEO in town. Like I think there's a new sheriff in town. I'm going to let you do it. Because I'm failing at that. No matter what I do. Why? Because it's a disease of perception. We've heard that so far. That I'm so spiritually sick and so is you that no matter what we do, it still seems like we're not getting it on both ends. I'm going to let God handle that. Sex inventory, that was fun. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people like do just the first two and they don't do the sex. But it doesn't take me to step five until I do all three. And to me, the sex thing wasn't a big deal anyway. Just write a list of the people I slept with. You don't know them, say John Doe, Jane Doe, Boy Joe, whatever. <laughs> Why are we tripping? And I put all people that I've had any kind of relations with. It's not just sex. It tells me it's needed to be loathed, it's needed to be disrespected. I like that, I appreciate that a lot. To this day, like that with my sponsees, I can't tell you nothing about your sex life. I'm a closed mouth person, that ain't none of my business. Excuse the expression, I've shared that with many of them, it's like the day I tell you that I'm going to make love to you really, really good, and I'm going to give you everything you want to make you hot, is the day I got something to say about your sex. Because if I'm not going to please you sexually, why do I have an input? That's what I tell them. I'm sorry. I'm not going to satisfy you in that way. It's none of my business. This is now between me and God. And I need to take a look. That's all. I need to take a look at how I'm interacting, what my reality looked like, what my perception seemed like. To me, that's all the inventory did for me. Just look, Teresa. Look how you've been living your life. Look what, what made sense. Look what you thought was true. And I just want you to see if it's working out or not. Where have I been selfish? Where was I inconsiderate? I never asked those questions. How many of us, most of us in the rooms, because I meet normies and they ask themselves those questions. We call them normies. No, I got normal friends. They, don't say, they do ask themselves those questions. When they get in a relationship, they go, am I being considerate? I'm like, that's fascinating. <laughs> you just do that automatically. I had to get some tools to learn how to do that. These ancient tools, no? I never asked, was I being considerate when I got with you? Didn't occur to me. You were there, you were at the club, you look cute, I look cute, I don't care, let's go. <laughs> you were married? I don't know, that's her problem. Never occurred to me. Hmm. 
And why am I doing it? They tell me, why are you doing this, Teresa? I love the big book. Why are you doing that anyway? For these ideals. So I can now change my perception from my ideals. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down these ideals for my future sex life. I'm not writing down for the ideal person to come into my life. So that I can see what person Teresa wants to be. Because that don't look so cute now that I see it on paper. And I write that. Can I live up to them? I don't know, but it tells me I need to ask this higher power that. I ask him to help shape and mold my future sex life. And I need to trust that process because I'm not good at that. And could you imagine the, the overhauling he had to do with me? So much damage in that area. I've lost my innocence. I could never get that back, ever. It's gone. It's gone. You cannot get that back. He has to shape and mold it. I don't even know what it looks like. Healing is necessary. Forgiveness is necessary. Why? For me to be okay on the inside. How am I going to live in this 24-hour day if I'm not comfortable in here? There was a time that everything outside of me would fill this up temporarily. But it's not doing it no more. That's why I stood at the crossroad. If there was something else that would fill this up, I don't think I would be here. It's easier to do that. It takes a lot of courage to go into a little venture which is within oneself. It's an inside job. Oh, I learned so much about myself, about life, about people. And even though it tells me that anger is a dubious luxury for normal people, but not for us, I am grateful. I have to tell you that my sponsor, good sponsorship is important, that my sponsor told me that I needed to be angry. I had to take a minute to be angry because I never felt anything about anything. And I'm grateful she did that. It helped me to move forward. Because it was, you know what I mean? It was like, she, she was in shock. She was like, I need you to be present in what happened to you. I've been sodomized, gang ripped, pistol whipped, beaten, abandoned, betrayed. She was like, time out. Time out, man. I need you to understand that that's not okay. Because I've used the steps to not feel either. I know how to do that. I grew up doing that. I know how to shut down and de disconnect, boy. I'm not, I'm not here. Nobody's home. I've lived most of my life hovering over myself, not in my body. I know how to do that real easy. Something's going on. She's gone. Bam. I'm walking around. You think I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm real good at that. She says, I need you to get in your body on this one because that's not okay, and I need you to be angry for a minute. I need you to scream, I need you to cry, I need you to say this is not okay what happened to me. Before we go into, let's forgive everybody. I'm still working on that to this day. As Ralph tells you, my greatest asset is my biggest liability, right? I've incorporated that step in my life so much so that times I don't even know you hurting me. 
I live and breathe that stuff so much. And what you taught me in this program, that it never occurs to me that sometimes people are actually doing me harm. Does it? In every situation, I immediately go into, what is this affecting in me? Hmm. I can see that. I have to pray for you. You're spiritually sick, as I am too. I'm being selfish right now. That's what I'm being. I want you to talk to me that way. I'm self-seeking. I'm being dishonest. You're spiritually sick. I expect you to be something different. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid you're out to get me. But you're not. There is a God. God, please remove my character defects. Hmm. I've had to have people recently go, no, that was wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. We still have to pray for them. <laughs> anyway. Doing my fifth step with my sponsor was a spiritual experience, I say. It was the first time that I had the opportunity to embrace an intimate situation, an intimate relationship where I got to be vulnerable. I remember she used to always tell me you're entitled to be around loving and supportive people and she taught me what that looked like because I didn't know what it looked like. To me that relationship is very sacred. The big book guides me on how I find that person. It doesn't necessarily have to be just the sponsor. To me it respects me enough to do that, No. Because you just have to find somebody who has a closed mouth and they know what you're driving at. But don't put it off. It's better to meet God alone than not do this. Don't make that an excuse. In all the years, I always learned you ain't got to dance with everybody, but you got to dance with somebody, boy. The greatest men in life, they tell me, this is ancient teaching, has always talked to somebody else. My grandfather used to tell me, and I come from a lot of spiritual people and teachers. My grandfather used to always say, Teresa, a doctor always needs another doctor. And I love doing it with another alcoholic because what am I tripping on? She's just like me. This is the one time that I sit with this person that is not better than nor less than, and neither am I. That's where I had my first actual experience, not when I came in the rooms. Because there are some people that think they're better than everybody in AA. I'm sorry. At times I do too. You know what I'm saying? There's not that balance here. I'm sorry. we got to not say that. That's not true. But here I'm sitting with this woman and I'm sharing this stuff. And that was a spiritual experience to me. I learned a lot about myself. She shared a little bit about hers. She proposed it to me like it was not such a big deal. It was kind of like, okay, all right. Further help to remove the shame. You mean there's nothing wrong with me? You're not going to look at me and be like, oh my God, you need help. You're damaged. We don't want you here. I put that fear on my list that you people in AA are going to throw me away. <laughs> yeah, like everybody else does. Hmm. <laughs> And she said, no. One thing you need to know is God will never throw you away. As a matter of fact, he never has. Always had you in his arms. Always. That's why you're still alive. Because you're going to have a story. You see, I came into this world to talk about what it is to have joy in your life. And freedom. She pointed that out to me. As part of my story. But in order for me to teach people 
about happiness and joy, I had to have tasted bitterness. So that was a gift. The bitterness that I ate for 24 years of my life. They didn't know that that was a gift. (laughs) Because everything that I go through in my life is to benefit somebody else. It's never been about me. Talk about the ultimate selfishness and self-centeredness. And as I do this dance with her, something happens. The shame gets reduced. I see this thing called higher power. I see the sunlight of the Spirit. Not no major lightning bolt. I like how the big book says, I am delighted. I love the way they choose words. Delightment is different than I'm in awe. That didn't happen. They said delighted. I have swallowed some chunks of information. Truths about myself. They guided me. It's not going to feel so good in there. Why? Because all this stuff that I purged so far has been hidden behind my kidneys, my liver, my heart, and it all kind of got rearranged in my fist. So I felt weird afterwards. It was like, okay, where's that gold? That's supposed to be behind there. And I was sticking, and I was in my throat. What's going on? It's in my head. Oh, my God. So that I now begin to see the world differently. To me, the greatest gift is to sit across someone else and listen to their fist. We've been sharing that before. Most of us go, oh, i got to be an expert in this, right? I can't help somebody else because I don't know. I've always learned that the greatest teacher is the one that's the student. When I sit across somebody else reading that, I actually begin to understand. The more that I sit across somebody else sharing with them a step, I begin to understand it more. That's why I get now, when my sponsor was sitting across from me, all you guys were sitting across with that big book in front of me, right, sharing with me. You guys seemed so excited, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't get it. So now I get to do the same thing, right? I sit across somebody else with that book or listening, and I'm like, it's so exciting, telling all that stuff, it's so good. And they're like, you crazy. <laughs> My relationship with a higher power has changed the more I clean house. I remember there was a time, I, not too long ago, I did an inventory, and it was all on... My resentments was about against character defects. It wasn't even people. Hmm. Abuse is still very familiar to me. And I'm so easy to beat up on myself still. I always think about real quick couple of stories. I think about that time my brother was suicidal. And I was up all night fighting with him that he was not going to go take his life, not on my watch. I even called him Dark Vader and I'm Luke Skywalker because he likes the Star Wars, you know. And I was like, you're Dark Vader and I'm Luke Skywalker and I'm going to bring you into the light. And I called my dad because I said he's Yoda. And got dad on the phone, and dad's not very Catholic, but my brother, you know, he's Lutheran, and dad tried to do the Our Father, which really pissed off my brother, because my dad was like, Our Father in the sky who gives us bread. My brother was like, really? 
Seriously? <laughs> and as the sun came up, I'm always going to remember this story. As the sun came up, my brother looked at me and he said, why are you here? And I said, because I love you and I care. Why were you here yesterday? Because I love you and I care. He said, let me ask you a question. Are you here for God's will or self-will? Hmm. Good question. Let me think about that for a minute. Thought about it. I said, you know, I may not be 100% sure, but I think I'm here on self-will. You know why I think I could say that? Because I'm asking myself now, where am I being selfish? I'm selfish because I want my older brother to live. Hmm. I am self-seeking because, you see, if you live, you're my older brother and you can help me. And it's really important that you be in my life. I don't know where you need to be in your life, but I know where you need to be in my life. And that's all I'm really thinking about right now. I'm selfish because I want your boys to have a father. That's what I want. I want them to be raised by you. I don't know if you need to raise them or not, but I know what I want. I'm terrified that if you die, those boys will be angry at me because you died on my watch and the look in their eyes. I'm terrified that if you die, I'm responsible for this. And I'm dishonest because I'm telling you that you have every reason to live and I never really thought about you. I'm telling you what I think, but I really don't know. I know my reasons why I want you to live, but I don't know what yours are. And I'm trying to make them yours and impose them on you. So if I answer yes to all those areas, then I am driven by self. And that could very well be why you and I are in collision with one another. And this has not gone down so successfully. But the beauty of this is this. What I get to do now is I get to own up to that, say it out loud, and ask God to remove that so that I could be of maximum service to you and to Him. That's the beauty of that. And that's what I'm going to do. And I paused, and I did that, and I turned to my brother and I said, what would you like me to do? He said, you can't help me. I need you to drop me off with somebody else. And I said, okay. And the only thing I ask you to do is make sure the boys get to school. That's a good example. You know what I'm saying? But in that moment, I'm kind and virtuous. No, that's my brother. No, I don't want him to die. But if I'm driven by all that stuff, it's why he can't hear me. I can't hear him. We got this stuff in the way, man. And the day come when he was actually dying <laughs> in the hospital, on the machines, and the doctor says, we got to take him off these machines and you can't resuscitate. I'm bleeding with you not to resuscitate him one more time. We did it one time. It took us 20 minutes. We don't even know how damaged his brain is. So the inventory helps me in so many ways. What do I get to do? 
I get to look at how this is affecting me right now. I'm resentful at cancer. My brother being sick. Being the one that has the advance direct, being responsible for my family. I'm the baby. Right? But then I pause. And I pray. And I no longer look at him. I no longer look at the disease. I no, let's look at Teresa. Where am I being selfish? Same thing. I want my brother to live. That's what I want. I don't know what he needs. doesn't matter. He may be like Frankenstein and walking around with no organs. I don't care. It's what I want. Well, what would I gain? My brother is here. That's all I know. I'm afraid. I'm afraid if he's gone, how am I going to live? What am I going to do? Where am I going to get answers? I'm terrified that my nephew's going to look at me and wonder why I took their, my, their dad away. All these fears. Where do they come from? What am I doing to manage them? Is it going to work? I'm dishonest. I'm dishonest about what? That I'm not in charge. That his body is speaking to us and I'm not listening. I remember the doctor turned to me and said that. I said, I believe in miracles. I'm being very spiritual right now with the doctor. Because I know you're a man of science. And I believe in miracles. And miracles are things that we cannot explain. And this is where I'm dishonest. And the doctor helped me, boy. He said, let me, let me ask you something. You're right. I am a man of science. And I can't break down miracles to you. But I'm going to ask you a question. What miracle are we waiting for? Because right now your brother needs... A new brain, a new heart, new kidneys, new lungs, and new blood. If you believe that's going to happen, they don't need to heal. They need new ones. I got it. <laughs> I wasn't being honest about You don't understand about that. And so I get to pray. I get to ask God to remove that so I can turn around and do what? So I can turn around and go, okay, and walk in that. The inventory in the fifth has given me a freedom, a sense of freedom. And I've looked at where I'm at fault and where am I to blame. I just want to put that out there real quick because I hear a lot of people say my part, my part. I don't know why those are little idiosyncrasies that just drive me up the wall. Just because... The way I understood it is, I don't see that anywhere, the word part. And for me, the word part all of a sudden still keeps you involved in the situation. Because when I say this is your part, this is my part, you're still in it. And the inventory tells me I'm not looking at you no more. So ain't nothing about no part. And I could easily play that because you did do something to me. Remember, fancy or real. A lot of my experiences have been real. They all have not been figments of my imagination. That's my experience. This journey with inventory in this program, a lot of it for me has been being present for things that have been real. My mind don't play that much tricks on me. The tricks that my mind plays and the way my disease manifests itself is that it goes, no, that pink elephant is not in the middle of the room, Teresa. No, that's not happening to you right now. They're not beating you. That's how my thinking switches. I don't go and beat you and go, I didn't beat him. 
I've had things happen to me. I didn't walk around. I had to learn a lot. The inventory has taught me a lot. A lot of times I walk around and go, no, nothing happened to me. No, it has. That's selfish. That I don't want to believe that this is my reality. Hmm. People have harmed me. They just tend to do that. No, I don't get to live in a place of victim consciousness, but they do. And the inventory says they do. Now what? They have. Yes, you're mistreated a lot. You're devalued. You're disrespected. You're unloved by many. How do you live free in your own skin in the acceptance of that? How do you use that to be of service and help others? How do you walk with that with dignity and grace and know that you are loved by something greater than everything and everybody else? How do you know God is even when they don't? How do you continue to clean house even when they haven't? How do you do that? How do you know God is when you're unloved, unwanted, when your world is turning upside down, when everything seems unfair, when everybody's dying, or you ain't got no money? A clean house. I love it when people go, oh, God is so good when you got money, right? What happens when you're sleeping in the car and you ain't got no money? Is God good now? I got a clean house on that. God needs to be good when I'm sleeping in a car. I need to know He is when you're hating me. I need to know you are, that God is when you're betraying me. I need to know you are when, you, when I got a conspiracy against me. The inventory helps me to do that. And sometimes I've seen people take that knowing that I live and breathe that inventory and use it to their advantage. I've seen it. And i got to inventory that. <laughs> there are moments, you know, it's just funny. And there's times I tell people, man, they tell me, you ain't that spiritual. I'm like, you banking on that I am. Because if I was not as spiritual as you think I am, I wouldn't be talking to me the way you're talking to me right now. Oh, I've had to stretch some spiritual muscles in all kinds of levels. And turn around and go, why don't you pray for me? I'm doing it all the time. You talk to me any kind of way. You say whatever you want to do. You do whatever you want to do to me. And what do you know Teresa's going to do? I am going to pause when agitated. <laughs> so I'm in a weird place in my life. I'm taking a look at that too. So that's what's happening to me today. You know, I lost my brother. I lost my father. I've had to get rid of a lot of self. I've had to readjust. I've had to see who I am. I, the pro is a lot going on. And I'm like, time out, everybody. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Just hold on. Just hold on a second. I just need a minute. Yes, we'll clean house. I'll continue to be of service. But somewhere in here, I need a time out for a minute. Just for a second. We're so quick to jump to solution. Jump to solution. I don't know. I'm in this weird place right now. Everything is always solution, solution. But wait a second. Let's look at what's happening. I need to stop and go, this is not okay right now. That's all. But I, you know, I'm just in that place today. Anyway. So I hope in some way we're going to get into six and seven. Bob always is like, woo, he takes me on a ride to a whole other consciousness and understanding. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking to grow and learn. I'm trying to really work hard this weekend too, to have an open mind. Because lately I've just been like, oh, you shut up. You guys are stupid. Oh, I don't care. Oh, just really? 
The good thing is I get to say that out loud, right? That's not a secret. I tell people. I can't say that right now I'm being selfish in my life of learning how to grieve and learning how to hurt. So I'm just having a new experience today. So I'm being taught by others that I quickly take the steps, and I, which helps me not to feel. And so today I'm in a place where regardless of all the inventory that I'm doing, and that's what was happening to me, that's the bottom that I came to, was that I've been living and breathing this program for so long, and I was doing that, and I was wondering why I wasn't okay on the inside, and I felt like I was doing something wrong. Or maybe I didn't do a thorough inventory, or maybe I wasn't honest, or I didn't make complete amends, and I, I was really confusing me, and they were like, no. You just get to be in pain sometimes. And you can't fix that. So I'm grateful to be here. I want to thank you doing a 12-step call on me. A lot of pressure. I'm glad it's over and I can sit back and shut up and relax. So thank you so much for allowing the God in you to discover the God in me and loving me. And so I can learn to love myself and in return I can do it for others. Thank you so much.